afternoon and welcome. This is Dorothy Polarski from CatholicMomsGroup.com along with Father Greg Merkley. Um, hello everybody, hello. Uh, what did uh, each of you please in the chat box as you're joining us, uh, give us a hello, tell us where you're from. Uh, Patricia, hello Patricia. Patricia is the Mother's Group Leader at uh, St. Anne's Parish in Brampton. Uh, she's a hero of mine, such a hero, and the reason she's a hero is she had one meeting, she had just started her Mother's Group, she had one live meeting at the parish, and then COVID broke out. And she has not missed a week administering to moms on Zoom. So she had one live meeting and went boom, straight into Zoom. So uh, Adriana Arias, hey, you just sent me a text asking me to, <laughs> so I'm glad you got on. Welcome, welcome uh, Adriana, Vesna, great to see you Vesna. I know you're a regular, so I'm always really happy to see um, Vesna from Ajax, super that you're here. Uh, Natalie Bruno from Immaculate Conception, I'm hoping you're going to start a mother's group over there. <laughs> uh, so Liz Garcia, actually Liz and I went to kindergarten together. We've known each other a very, very long time. Uh, Lucy uh, Pignatello, hello. Martine from St. Peter and Paul. Uh, a big, big, big warm hello from Puerto Rico. This is so exciting. Uh, Dania from Puerto Rico. I love uh, hearing from people from different countries. It's so cool. Uh, very happy that you're all here. So anyway, some of you know me from, you know, years ago, I was a columnist with the Catholic Register. Some of you know me from the Catholic Register. Other people uh, know me from the book that I I wrote Motherhood Matters. Um, oh, she someone's just started a tool team with Father Gregory. Well, you're gonna have to start a mother's group now. <laughs> oh, they go hand in hand, right? They go hand in hand. Um, and so anyway, I wanted to uh, welcome you. I also wanted to just give you a, a quick introduction of uh, Father uh, Gregory Merkley. Um, Father Gregory Merkley, he's a diocesan priest of the Diocese of Hamilton, Ontario. He is an enthusiastic revert to Catholicism with a passion for evangelization, catechesis, and Catholic formation. He loves learning about all things Catholic and treasures the riches of our tradition, sharing them with all that he meets. So um, I, I did want to just share a couple of slides about our ministry. So in just a minute, you're going to see those slides come up. There we go. So again, um, some of you may have attended the Dynamic Women of Faith Conference. So if you're looking for us on Facebook, you can find us under Dynamic Women of Faith, or you can find us under I Love My Catholic Moms Group. We are a ministry that works in partnership with the Archdiocese of Toronto, and we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. I think most of you know that in the last 50 years, motherhood has changed dramatically. There are many things that have affected that change. You know, moms have gone into the workforce in droves. Then we've got the feminist movement that kind of mixed us up a little bit. Um, you know, we've moved into a highly, um, you know, you know, mothering is almost done now, connecting with moms on like Instagram through social media. That's a huge change because everyone always posts the beautiful things on, uh, you know, on Instagram and Facebook. And so there's this, this onslaught of change and mothers are at the brunt of it. And sometimes um, moms forget that really their most important task is to pass down the Catholic faith. And, and I know that a lot of you know uh, Monica Matelski. She was with us last week and she kept on saying, motherhood is enough. 
you know, like, what is, uh, what is our blessed mother known for? Is our blessed mother known for, you know, being a, a doctor, a lawyer, an author, a astronaut? No, all she is is the mother of Jesus, and that is enough. And don't get me wrong, some people say, oh, you're against working mothers. I say, no, I'm not. I've worked more than the average bear. I've been the assistant to the executive director at the CNIB. I've been an instructor at the Schulich School of Business. I've, gosh, I've worked for the Royal Bank. I've worked for the, you know, I've worked so much. I've worked too much, I think. <laughs> I continue to work. I'm not against working mothers, but I am for mothers praying about whether they should be working and praying about what God's will is for them. I always say, you know, you're not here to do Dorothy's will, the ministry's will, you're here to do God's will. And if you're praying for God's will, I'm good. Okay, so we're on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And we do that primarily by working with parishes and helping them start Catholic mothers groups. Um, unfortunately, I've seen one too many Catholic groups use Protestant materials starting a mother's group and it drives me crazy. <laughs> it's my nemesis, okay. As Catholic mothers, we don't wanna use Protestant materials in our mother's groups. Um, our mother's groups are intergenerational. We do have moms and tots groups, but we welcome moms of all ages because when you have different generations of mothers coming together, there's more wisdom. If you have a mom and tots group and you have the senior citizens, the Zoomers, uh, doing the baking and putting on the coffee, then the mom that has the three-year-old that has a crazy earache in the middle of the night doesn't have to worry, right? Because the baking's gonna be done by the grandma. So we have multi-generational groups. We have created hundreds of materials for Catholic mothers groups. We have a publication, How to Start a Mothers Group. We've got a study guide, 52 lessons for Catholic moms. We have a mothers group starter kit that includes posters and brochures. Like you don't wanna waste your time designing posters, they're designed. You don't wanna waste your time designing newsletters, they've been done. We have a mothers group starter kit Yesterday, we shipped two of them, one to St. Joseph the Worker in Oshawa um, and the other to St. Gertrude's in Oshawa. We're starting two new mothers groups. The pandemic doesn't stop us from ministering to moms. So we're delighted that you're here and we're especially delighted that Father uh, Merkley is here. And uh, I'm praying that someone here is called to start a mother's group. I keep on saying that, you know, if a child can't depend on its mother, as a Canadian culture, North American culture, Puerto Rican culture, we're in trouble, okay? I always say it's a national emergency. We need to be ministering to our moms. So uh, a big, big, big warm welcome to each and every one of you that have signed on. Anna from Schaumburg, Jeannie from North Scarborough. So all of you, thank you for joining us and a big, big warm welcome to Father um, Merkley. Father Merkley and I met in 2019. I had the great privilege of teaching a workshop to the Ordinandi. Uh, in conflict resolution. My, my family always laughs at that because they say, you cause more conflict than you resolve. So, anyway, a big warm welcome to Father Greg. Father Greg, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, and then move right into your, your talk. We're just happy that you're sure. Well, thanks so much, Dorothy. I really appreciate all the awesome work you're doing, and thank you for sharing all this cool stuff. And uh, it's so good to see so many uh, familiar names in the uh, attendees list, as if playfully already wrote some things in the chat box. And uh, I think we know like a lot of mutual people because, uh, you know, I, I heard you just said that you recently had Monica Matelski on, who's been a really good friend of mine for like uh, seven or eight years. And um, also you had Lindsay and Michelle on recently. They're good friends of mine too. 
so anyways, uh, yeah, it's really cool. We clearly run in the same circles. And, uh, Kasha Ribas Menon, you know Kasha, right? Yeah. That's right, exactly. Kasha and Dom, exactly. So, so it's great. And uh, I liked uh, when you wrote the, um, when you wrote your invitation that you sent out to register, you said in the description, um, you remember the day where someone asked you, have you done a consecration to our Blessed Mother? And at the time you had no idea what it meant, but it became such a, a huge spiritual milestone for you. And, uh, and I could say that's been my experience too. That's been my experience. And it's, I think it's been for thousands of people. And uh, as a priest, I get to see this a lot. Now I get to actually encourage people and help them to do this. So uh, in terms of, uh, I guess people want to know a bit about me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, a new priest, relatively speaking. I was, uh, when I was younger, my parents were Catholic, but uh, not very practicing. So I became a nominal Catholic eventually drifted into practical atheism and got really kind of consumed with the things of the world. Like people who knew me before my reversion, like can't fathom that I'm the same person. Uh, I am so different than before I, I met Jesus Christ in a personal way. And my grandmother always prayed a daily rosary for her family. She was like for years, the only practicing Catholic in my whole family. And I really believe that it was through her prayers, our blessed mother, took me and helped me to see that there was so much more to life than I had realized. And I think that after I came back to the church, uh, these thoughts of the priest that I didn't, I'd had when I was a kid, but just kind of ignored, they got so strong. And I, I realized I really wanted to give my whole life to the Lord. I started to go into Eucharistic adoration, praying the rosary. And eventually I had discerned a call to the priesthood and joined St. Augustine Seminary in Toronto to study for the Hamilton Diocese, where I'm now blessed to be a priest. It's awesome. People ask me all the time, hey, Father, how are you doing? And like my first response in my head is always, I love being a priest. I am so happy. I am so happy. I could talk about it for days. Like that's a talk I could give for, for a long time, but I'm not going to do that, at least not right now. But yeah, it's been good to be friends with Dorothy ever since we met uh, shortly before my ordination to the priesthood, as you'd said. And uh, now, right now, I am privileged to serve as parochial vicar or associate pastor, they're the same thing, at St. Joseph's here in Guelph. And I'm excited to share with you all today about consecration to our Blessed Mother Mary, what it is, why it's so important, why it's so beautiful. Uh, so let me just give you a super brief overview of some of the things I want to talk about. And it might sound like a lot, but it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun and uh, a smooth experience. Uh, basically, I want to give you Briefly, my own little story of Marian consecration, my experience with it. Talk about what is consecration. Like that sounds like a complicated topic, kind of. What is that? Especially, what's consecration to Mary? And then, why is Mary so important to Catholics? Because this is actually, I'm not going to spend too long on it, but it's something I hear a lot. Even from Catholics in the pews, sometimes they, they say, Father, I don't really get this Mary stuff. Where is that in the Bible? And I remember being there myself. So I think it's worth it, even just if it's briefly, to, to to just respond to some of that, because we don't want to get tripped up by something like that. Uh, then I want to share some great resources on how you can be consecrated to Mary, why it's so great, why you should do it. And uh, it's easy. It's not scary. It's awesome. And uh, basically, then I'll just kind of uh, share any further tips on how to live out one's consecration to Mary and some resources. And we'll do some Q&A. So that sounds like a lot, but... Uh, It'll all be really organic. And, uh, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. This is fantastic. Good, good, good. That's awesome. Okay. Well, should I uh, jump right into a bit of my uh, experience of Marian consecration? Let's go. Okay. And uh, feel free to like stop me if you have questions or you want to like just help me guide something more fruitful than what I'm saying. You just let me know. So as I said, my grandma would pray every day for me. And... Um, you know, God loves us so much, and he often blesses us with people in our lives who reveal that love, that care, that unconditional love, and also who can draw us back to him. And my grandma was like that for a long time, and she, she has been uh, in so many ways. When I came back to the faith, I got involved in something called the Legion of Mary. And uh, I became the secretary. I was at the Curia meetings. And quickly, I learned about something called Consecration to Mary. And... At first, I didn't know what it was, but I kind of quickly learned that it's a way of entrusting yourself to God through Mary. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that. So I made this consecration, and I felt different. I actually, it's going to sound really like kind of cheesy and lame, 
But because I wanted to be so devoted to Mary, I actually put rosaries on my wrists as like pretend like handcuffs. It was like, I'm all Mary's. Like it was really kind of cheesy and uh, perhaps endearing for some people. But uh, anyways, I was like, I am so Mary's. Like I'm totally like, I was so excited and I felt just really good. And, um, and I loved, I just love, uh, as a priest, I love singing Marian hymns. I love when I get to celebrate Marian masses. Like Mary has grown on me throughout the years. And I remember, uh, many people don't know this, but I discerned religious life for a little while. And I thought about being a, a Carmelite priest and they're very close to Mary. One time I visited this Carmelite uh, religious community. And as I was discerning my vocation, which is what is God's will for my life, what's his calling, this one priest, the vocation director from the Carmelite said, have you consecrated yourself to Mary? And I said, yeah, I have. he said, well, you're good, man. Like you don't even got to worry. Like you're, Mary's going to take you to your vocation. Just don't worry. And I was like, wow, like this is clearly super powerful. If, if, if this really holy priest can say something uh, with such conviction. So at the seminary, we would, we would, uh, we were taught to consecrate ourselves to Mary as well. We did it as a group often. And, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a huge grace in my life. And uh, there's way more I could say, but now let's talk about what it is. Now I've shared a bit of my story. Let's go into what is it. When we hear the word consecration, we should know that just kind of most fundamentally, consecration, we usually say means being set apart. So when we're baptized, for example, we are set apart for God. We now belong to God in a new way. We're his beloved children. We are part of his family, the church. We are now set apart from the ways of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of it. And so we're separated. There's something special now. Something consecrated is set apart for God in a special way. And often we hear those words consecration. We might think of the time where Holy Mass, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus comes to replace what used to be bread. When the priest says, this is my body, this is my blood. But when we say consecration to Jesus through Mary, we're not talking about consecration in the same sense, even though that bread and wine is consecrated to God and becomes Jesus Christ himself, the most holy Eucharist. When we're talking about consecration today, we're talking about belonging totally to God. Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, to have this oneness with God. Jesus speaks with great longing that all of us will be one and one with God. If we do the Father's will, then Jesus and his Father will come and live in us. God wants to be one with us. He wants us to be consecrated, to belong to him, and that's what happens in baptism. So you might say, well, okay, well, if we're consecrated already at baptism, Father, like, why do we need to do this consecration thing with Mary? It seems a little redundant, like I'm already consecrated. What's the point of that? Because I heard, Father, that I was consecrated as priest, prophet, and king at baptism, and I share in Christ's prophetic role of teaching the truth and his priestly ministry of offering prayers and sacrifice and spiritual worship to God, and I share in his divine authority. Uh, so what's this whole Marian consecration thing? Um, so that's where we would say, this is where we come to learn more about what it means to be consecrated to God in the most perfect sense. So let's talk about consecration to Mary. And actually what I want to do, now's a good time for me to introduce a friend of mine, St. Louis Marie de Montfort. And he is kind of the, one of the great Marian saints of all time. And I've got this little book. It's used to consecrate yourself to Mary. It's one of the resources I might talk a bit about later. But he says something beautiful about all of this, and he connects these things we've just talked about. Exactly, it's a great resource. If you want to consecrate yourself to Mary, I'm also gonna show you another one later on. You've seen that one too. But listen to these great words of a saint. This is one of the greatest saints about, who teaches us about Mary, okay? All our perfection, remember we wanna be, as we hear in the gospel, perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. It doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect in a sort of perfectionistic way, but it means that we're gonna do our best to love God. That's what this perfection is, to totally be totally all about God and all we do to do his will, to be holy, as we're all called to through baptism. These are his words. All our perfection consists in being conformed, united and consecrated to Jesus Christ. And therefore, the most perfect of all devotions is, without any doubt, that 
which the most perfectly conforms, unites, and consecrates us to Jesus Christ. So it's pretty self-explanatory. The best devotion is the one that consecrates, conforms us to Jesus. Now he goes on. Now Mary, being the most conformed of all creatures to Jesus Christ, she was the most perfect disciple. She did good, God's will in everything. It follows that of all devotions, that which most consecrates and conforms the soul to our Lord is devotion to his holy mother. So that means if you want to be close to Jesus, Mary is going to bring you to Jesus more deeply, more quickly, more profoundly, in a way that is more humble and more pleasing to the Lord than in any other way. And that's why St. Louis-Marie de Montfort tells us. So he goes on, that the more a soul is consecrated to Mary, the more they are consecrated to Jesus Christ. So it's pretty simple logic. And a scriptural line that can kind of help us is when Mary says in the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord. I want you to imagine a magnifying glass. And when I was a kid, I had some friends, and this is kind of cruel, I, I didn't like this, but they would take a magnifying glass and they would burn ants with it. Because they would take the sun <laughs> and they would put it over these poor ants and they would just kind of crisp up. It was pretty bad. Bad for the ants. But what was clear, this little illustration, now it's literally burning itself in your memory, is the power of magnification. Now the light from God comes on us, but Mary magnifies it. She, in a holy and good way, allows that life, that grace, that love, that peace, all the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit to come way more powerfully, like many, many times more powerfully than if we didn't have Mary magnifying the Lord and opening our souls to be more receptive to his grace, just like she was. So very simply, consecrating yourself to Mary is another way of saying, as St. Louis says, consecrating yourself to Jesus through Mary. It's basically saying, I want to belong totally to God and experience his love, experience his peace, experience his blessing in the most perfect way possible, which is through Mary, because she magnifies the Lord. So in a simple way, can I just, just yeah. I had a, a friend once say to me that, um, you know, that, that Mary is almost like the, 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 the housekeeper of our, our souls, right? So if we want to receive, you know, she said, imagine you're having a guest come over and Mary's tidying the kitchen. So it's like perfect so that, and, and she's putting flowers on the table. And, and so she's, she's making the kitchen of your soul so crisp and so clean that you can receive Christ more fully and more joyfully. And she's cleaned up all of the whatever. So I kind of, I, I really, that analogy really, uh, you know, resonated with me. Um, we, we have a mom here that's, I think, new, and she's saying, hi, everyone, I'm Jenny. I'm an older mom. My youngest is 16. I'm at St. Max in uh, Liberty in Ohio. Uh, Jenny, welcome. You know, my youngest is 23, so if you're an older mom, I'm a senior mom. So I just wanted to welcome all of you that uh, are just uh, signing on. So, uh, yes, yeah, so our, our, our Blessed Mother kind of cleans things up so we can receive Jesus more fully. That's right. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I had another priest who once said, you know, if we were going to offer an apple to God, well, if we do it through Mary, it's like Mary puts it on a, a gold platter and then gives it to Jesus. And it's even more perfect because it comes from her and she kind of cleans it up a bit. Yeah. She takes what we've done and she makes it spotless. She makes it pure and beautiful. And uh, so we want to do everything with Mary like that because I mean, why not bring it to Jesus? It's going to make him more happy and open us up to be more blessed. So, so yeah, I mean, there's so much we can say about this, but um, maybe we can talk about briefly why Mary is so important, because I think that's something that a lot of people get kind of tripped up on. And God loves us so much. He doesn't just want us to have our Heavenly Father, who is, of course, God, and loves us tenderly, affectionately, but he also wants us to have a heavenly mother, a mother who can nurture us, who can guide us, who can console us. Just like when we were young and we fell and scratched our knees on the grass or whatever it was or, or needed help, our mom was always there. And God loves us so much. He wants us to have our heavenly mama, our heavenly mother, 
who can gently and sweetly care for us. And so Mary's like that. And we've, if we think about it, you know, if Jesus is the new King David, well, in the Old Testament, every king in the line of David, his mother was the queen. So Mary is the queen. We see this in Revelation 12 and 13, that Mary is, she is the mother of all of those who are saved by Christ. We see that she is the new Eve who undo, undo, sorry, undoes the disobedience uh, that Eve had done at the tree in the book of Genesis. We see that she's the most perfect disciple. We see that at the cross, Jesus gives the greatest gift he's got to his beloved disciple. He says, behold your mother. And from that hour, he took her into his own home. And that's meant to be us that we are also meant to be like the beloved disciple who invites Mary into our home, into our heart, and lets Mary, like you said, maybe organize our home, organize our life, organize our soul, organize what's going on. Because purify she's- Purify and purify. Like sometimes there's a period of purification, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, she helps us in that. You know, we can even give our, our struggles and even our, our bad habits to our Blessed Mother because she will purify that. She will transform it. I once heard a priest say, give your anger, give your whatever your sins are to Mary. And she will slowly, but really powerfully transform that part of your life. So surrender it to our Blessed Mother because she is only going to bring things to what her beloved son Jesus wants them to be. So Mary always leads us to Jesus. There's no competition between Jesus and Mary. Even the Hail Mary is a totally Christ-centered prayer. And Mary is powerful. Many people don't know about what's known as the Battle of Lepanto, which is this epic battle where basically Christians were massively outnumbered. And the Pope asked that all the Christians on these, in this naval army would pray the rosary. And through this totally miraculous, totally underdog victory, like Europe was saved from becoming totally Islamic because of the massacres of Christians that were taking place. And so Mary showed her power to, to protect, to work, to do amazing things. She is, of course, the Immaculate Conception who was conceived without all trace of sin. She was assumed body and soul into heaven where she sits next to her beloved son. She is the perpetual virgin, the mother of God. She crushes the head of the serpent. She's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. She's the most perfect disciple. She's the greatest saint in heaven. And she was a mother. She was a mother. You know, so that can also give our dear mothers who are here today great consolation. Because most of Mary's life was hidden. Most of it was really simple. Most of it was just a prayerful union with God as she did the duties of her state in life. And this is why we also want to echo Mary's yes. Just like she said to Gabriel, be it done unto me according to thy word, also known as her fiat, her, her total yes. With every fiber of her being, she surrendered to the Lord. That's what we want to be like. And that's what we're called to through baptism. If you're baptized, that is what God expects of you. But he also gives you the grace. And he's going to give that grace, especially through Mary, because Mary is also known as the mediatrix of all graces. Just as Jesus willed to come to the world only through Mary, so he also wills to give all graces through Mary. And so this is perhaps why Venerable Fulton Sheen used to say that faithful Catholics have three loves in particular. The Holy Eucharist, which is truly Jesus Christ, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Our Blessed Mother Mary. And the church. And Mary is central to all three of those. So obviously there's like infinitely more we could say about Mary and her greatness and why she's awesome and why we don't have to be afraid. We don't worship Mary. We honor her just like Jesus honored her. If he honored his mother, because he lived the 10 commandments more perfectly than every one of us. And if through baptism, we are part of Christ's body and called to imitate Christ, then shouldn't we imitate also Mary and as much as we can. And this is why I'll go ahead. I wanted to just, I, I, a lot of, um, a lot of moms I know because of all of our sort of influences, um, sometimes they're struggling with, you know, anger. Sometimes they have anger towards their children. Sometimes they have anger towards their mothers. And there are often wounds between the mother and her mother 
Um, because, you know, if you had a mom that was like a super duper feminist, you know, maybe she wasn't nurturing, or if you had a mom that was, um, you know, had post-traumatic stress from, you know, who knows the war from death or whatever. And sometimes moms feel like they can't be a good mother because they have these wounds. And I always say, have you done a consecration to our blessed mother? Because maybe you're expecting too much from your earthly mother and you need to take on our blessed mother as your mother and give your earthly mother a break. <laughs> you know, your earthly mother is only an earthly mother. <laughs> and so whenever, if any of you have had any conflict or any wounds from your own mothers um, or from wounds from, you know, people, women have been ruthlessly laid off from the, from the workforce and it just tears them apart because women naturally put their hearts into things. And corporations, you really shouldn't be putting your heart into it. Our heart is meant for our children and our husbands. And, and so many women are walking around wounded and I'm begging them, please do a consecration to our Blessed Mother. Have you done a consecration to our Blessed Mother? So if you have trouble with your own mom, a consecration to our Blessed Mother is the answer to that. So, um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, I wanted to share that, that the wounds. That Thank you. Women, yeah. That's so important. And I see that all the time, you know. Uh, I wish I could give like a whole bunch of talks on what it's like to be a priest who hears confessions. <laughs> because you're exactly right, you know. So often, uh, and I don't want to get caught up in this too much, even though it's such a great topic. Uh, but you're right, because people often, we don't receive the love, the affection, the guidance, the formation that we ought to have received if our parents were kind of perfect saints. Um, very few parents, sadly, are perfect saints. Um, and sometimes like, that leaves things wanting in our formation, in our just various parts of our emotions and the way that we interact with others. But the good news is, is that the Lord is the healer and he will heal you, especially through Mary. He will. To her, she knows how to gently mother us and how to heal us. And God knows how to bring a greater good out of all of that. You know, if that's happened to you, don't, don't despair. Don't think, oh, I'm messed up. I'm damaged goods. Like, uh, I'm never going to be a great saint because I just wasn't given what I needed to be a saint. That's actually more of a temptation because God is going to allow you to be a great saint. We're all called to be saints. This is what this is what we mean by we're all called to holiness. Whether we're canonized or not is different, but we're called to be conformed to God's will, to be loving, kind, virtuous, faithful to God. And any brokenness we have from our past life, the Lord Jesus can heal, and it can actually become part of the way that we, we show his power through our weakness, just like God said to St. Paul. And he wants to heal us. We should come to him and tell him and our Blessed Mother our our wounds, our, our anxieties, our fears, our struggles. That's part of living a consecration to Mary, is casting all of those cares on those twin hearts of Jesus and Mary who beat for love of us, who tenderly care for us. So anyways, that's worth, that's worth highlighting, Dorothy. I'm glad you brought that up. So yeah, maybe I could tell you a little more about um, what consecration will do for you. Okay, and then I'm gonna talk a little bit later, shortly after that, how to do it very more concretely. If you want more peace in your life, if you want more clarity in your life, if you want a greater sense of our Lord in your life, if you want his protection and our Blessed Mother's protection in your life, if you wanna, if you wanna be holy, if you wanna have the joy of the Holy Spirit, if you wanna have the peace that the world can't give but only God can give, if you wanna have all of the things that God wants for you, all the graces, the guidance, strength that we need especially in times like ours consecration to mary will do that for you a floodgate from heaven will open up in your life because we know that our lady's immaculate heart will triumph and if you are aligned with her heart then you're on the winning side no matter what comes and you have nothing to be afraid of so there's just so much we could talk about this. That's why there's books and why I'm not really going to try to do an exhaustive covering of all this. This is more meant to be kind of a primer to get you excited, to get you interested, to, to uh, if you haven't done this before, to do it, um, and then to equip you with how to do it. So let's move on to, to why, uh, not just why now, but, but what is it, how do we do it? 
traditionally consecration to to mary or to jesus through mary however you'd like to to articulate it is often done these days most most commonly usually through perhaps a book like this like a I held up instead of Dorothy, which is again, here it is, preparation for total consecration according to St. Louis-Marie de Montfort. So, and, and in this book, it's going to explain way more detail than I can. It's not too big, as you can see. It's not like it's that's super. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. This um, is my favorite because it was so short. <laughs> that's great. That's right. So it's not like it's overwhelming. Don't feel overwhelmed by this. That, that would be a temptation too, because I'll, I'll tell you, the evil one, he does not want you to get close to Mary. Right? We know that Jesus came, uh, he himself says, part of the reason he came is to undo the works of the devil, who is a thief and a liar. And he's going to lie and be like, oh, this consecration and everything, nothing important. And he's going to tempt you to kind of be a little, I don't know. But the church has been so clear on this. The beloved disciples write in the scriptures that we want to give ourselves to God through Mary. So this is very wonderful. It's got like day one, day two. Here's the 21st day, which I read from. Uh, 23rd, 24th, and so on. And it's going to explain way more thoroughly. Another, so that's a great resource. If you get this and you simply read it, like you will be consecrated to Mary. It's really that simple. Not that complicated. Another resource I really like a lot, and I think it can often be very good, especially uh, for those who might find St. Louis Reed de Montfort a little intimidating. I really like this book, 33 Days to Morning Glory yep. by Father Michael Gailey who actually came to our seminary and gave us a retreat. He gave me some great advice. He actually gave, he heard my confession and uh, he autographed one of my books. And um, in here, he actually explains consecration way more better than I'm ever gonna be able to tell you because he spent a lot of time preparing this excellent book. And you know, people see this book and, and sometimes they think, oh, it's a really popular book. So it's probably not that deep and profound and awesome. I would say, if you, if you see this, don't be tricked into thinking, oh, you know, it's just kind of one of those popular mainstream Catholic books. No, this is, this is amazing. This is gold. This is profound. Don't be deceived. This is an amazing book. It's so profound, so beautiful, but it's also accessible, which is something we need a lot today because people can be, um, sometimes people can be a little intimidated by saying the way we did Montfort's as well. Right here, Father Michael Gately talks about all the popes who have talked about Marian consecration and why it's so great. Blessed Pope Pius IX stated that St. Louis' devotion to Mary is the best and most acceptable form. And St. Louis himself says that consecration to Mary is the surest, the easiest, the fastest, the most pleasing way to be a saint, to be holy. So this book is really all you need. Like if you literally just got this book, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it on eBay, wherever you want. Uh, you can come hang out with Father Greg and I'll give it to you. Um, this is really all you need. Yeah, and I want to mention, if I could, that if you enter into Amazon through the catholicmomsgroup.com website, if you go to our website and then go to support the ministry, if you enter in through our website to Amazon, um, we might get a tiny, tiny, tiny little percentage um, for the, our ministry. And uh, we, we need help. So if you are going to buy any of these books, please enter the Amazon website through the Catholic Moms Group website under the support the ministry link and it will take you there. So I just cut a little make pitch. I'm sorry. No, that's good. <laughs> Very good. So, I mean, in essence, consecration to Mary is actually quite simple. Think of it as simply giving yourself in a new and deeper way to God with and through Mary. That's really all it is. And when you read books like this, it's going to unpack it more. It's going to explain that more. And then it's going to give you a formula. It's going to give you a prayer that you're going to pray at the end of it. For example, this is after 33 days. That's why it's called 33 days to morning glory. There's a prayer that you're going to make and you're going to pray this prayer. And through it, you are going to entrust your life into Mary's hands. You're going to give Mary more power to do great good in your life. I want you to think of like a five-year-old girl. And she's overtired. She's just overwhelmed. She's crying. She's flailing. And the mom's just trying to get her to settle down and run all over the place. But eventually, in their tiredness, they just kind of, and just like finally rest in their mother's arms. Well, we need to rest in our mother's arms too and let her carry us. And she's going to help make everything work. And not only that, 
but also imagine the same five-year-old baby. And imagine the father says to her, I'm going away for work today, but I want you to follow your mom's instructions and she's going to teach you how to do this and that and she's going to look after you. Imagine if that five-year-old doesn't cooperate with mom all day. No homework's done. You know, she doesn't do anything. She's not going to make much progress. She's not going to mature much. But imagine if that five-year-old actually goes, okay, mom, whatever you say, she's going to grow. A lot is going to happen. And it's kind of like that too with Mary. If we obey, if we follow her, we're going to grow. We're going to learn. It's going to be great. So. And that's, Father, you know, that's interesting because women in the last, uh, I don't know, 20, 25 years, um, we have been taught that we shouldn't be following, that we should be leading. And I think it's messed a lot of women up because we don't have that sense. Uh, we think that being submissive to the spirit and to being obedient, that it's somehow being weak. And this is where I think, you know, so many moms are in turmoil because they're not allowing themselves to be led. You know, they want to take control of their marriage, control of their husbands, control of their, and, and it causes a lot of uh, inner tension. Um, a, a mom is asking a question here. Can a, can a grandmother consecrate her grandchildren to marry? So can you consecrate someone else? Um, and then someone else is saying, to some degree, they're, 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 okay, did you answer that question? Yeah, well, you did. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you're, you're faster than me. Thank <laughs> you, Father. Sorry. I'm a little slow on this. Oh, well, you're good. You're, you're, you're awesome. very experienced. So, um, yeah, so can a parent, uh, can a parent or a, a grandmother consecrate their children? Like this? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say, like, maybe we can kind of distinguish between the way we use the word consecrate to Mary. So, like, when we make a consecration, we are personally, on our own behalf, freely giving ourselves to God more deeply with and through Mary, because that's the best way. But we can also entrust anything and anyone to Mary. You know, I actually do this all the time. Every day I wake up, I consecrate my day to Mary. Whenever I'm having a meeting or I talk to anyone or whatever, I consecrate that before to Mary. I just say, Mary, I consecrate this talk to you. Often when I do an opening prayer, I consecrate that thing. And I just want to say, I have consecrated this talk to Mary. And um, whenever I counsel someone, whenever, it's always consecrated to Mary. Um, so our, we can our ministry is consecrated to Our Lady of Chastahova. So if anyone, oh great, <laughs> yeah, awesome. we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, and I've I've been to Poland twice, and I take all of the names of the mothers group leaders, and I've gone to the Black Madonna, and I've laid it out, and I've said, you know, they're yours, we're yours, and uh, so so we we are uh, we want to bring moms closer to our Blessed Mother, so they can mother like our Blessed blessed mother mother jesus right like that's the desire that's anyway desire that's great yeah so it's so true that as as our our wonderful attendees are saying we should uh we should consecrate anything and anyone to marry like if, if you see your grandchild and they're straight just like i was practically an atheist and my grandma was praying for me you know uh it's totally good and, and beautiful profoundly beautiful to say blessed mother i just entrust my grandchild to you I, I know that they're struggling. Lord, I, I consecrate them to Mary. Mary, I ask you to take care of them. But then just to trust, you know, just uh, there's a great novena that I like to pray frequently. It's called the Divine Surrender Novena. And in it, the Lord Jesus says, surrender to me and just say these words. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. So we can just kind of surrender everything to Jesus and Mary, that which is outside of our control. Of course, we have to keep in mind the words of St. Augustine, pray like it all depends on God, work like it all depends on you. So we have to entrust everything to God and know he's the one, that he's, he's in control. But he also wants us to do our part, our reasonable part. So we obviously want to, if we can, evangelize that person, be a great witness, our holiness, our love, our life, our joy, the way we live our faith in a, an attractive, joyful, organic, natural way is going to draw people. They're going to be inescapably interested in in our love, in our self-sacrifice, because that's what love is. It's self-sacrifice for others to do what's truly good for them. People are moved by that. They're hungry for that. They're yearning to see that. And they're almost, 
to feel like, well, is anyone even like that anymore? Because of all the things in the media and so on. So that's where Mary gives us those graces to be that light in the world, to pray for, to entrust people to them is great. Uh, I definitely recommend that. Maybe I could give a few other tips on how to live our consecration, just kind of practically. Here's a few things. Uh, one is, of course, Mary always leads us to Jesus. She doesn't like get in the way. Um, so she's going to lead us to the word of God. She's going to lead us to uh, a more consistent prayer life. She's going to lead us to especially one of the greatest prayers, which is the Holy Rosary. Everyone should pray the rosary every day. Every Catholic should pray the rosary every day. Uh, it's amazing how much of a game changer this is. It is. I've never met a single person who prays it and, and doesn't think it's changing their life. And it changes my life when I pray it every day. Also, there's what's called, um, you know, there's, hold on, I got them here. I give these out to people. Miraculous medals. This is a little one. I don't know if it's going to show up in my focus. Yeah. Like miraculous medal. It's great to wear around your neck, but, but whatever, just keep it with you. Uh, Our lady has promised great graces to those who keep this with them. Get it blessed by a priest. I give them out all the time. I got like bags of them in my office here. So this is a wonderful way uh, to open ourselves and receive that grace that God wants to use. He loves to use things like this, um, these sacramentals. Also, if you uh, haven't been enrolled in what's called the Brown Scapular, um, this is a wonderful thing. And uh, it's uh, got a beautiful uh, backstory to it that I probably don't have time to go into today. But it's another wonderful sacramental, small s sacramental, which uh, the catechism says that sacramentals open us up to receive more grace from God. So we want that grace because we need the Lord's grace in our lives. So those are wonderful things. Get some Marian reminders in your home. Get a statue of Mary. Put it somewhere you're going to see it all the time. One of my spiritual directors once told me, every morning, go and just kneel down and pray before a statue of Mary. Just do it. And just go pray and talk to her and entrust your day to her. And I do that. Sometimes I light a candle. We've got a chapel here. I light a little candle before the statue of our Blessed Mother in the morning. And I just pray before her and I trust my day tour, I pray a memorari, that she'll guide and bless my day so that everything I do will be exactly what she wants. I pray that everything I do will be exactly what our Blessed Mother wants, and that I want to do God's will, no matter the cost, no matter what it means, because I know it's the best, because God loves us. So these are good ways. Maybe you do it as a, a family. You know, if you're going to do a consecration, maybe invite your spouse, maybe invite your children, and you can find prayers for that too. You can renew it as well. Like, uh, for example, there's like a little shorter version in here that lets you renew it daily if you want. Uh, share it with others. If you know other Catholics who, who you know would be open to this message, tell them about it. They're going to love it. They're going to be so graced and so blessed, and they're going to be so grateful for you, just like I'm sure Dorothy is to the person who asked her about it, you know. And um, just keep entrusting everything to Mary. You're, whatever it is you're doing, your duties, your emails, your car stuff, whatever you're doing, just give it to Mary. And you'll get in the habit of entrusting things to Mary and it'll give you so much peace. And you'll notice things change. Like not only do you change, but like circumstances will change. Because when our Blessed Mother comes into situations, there is power. There is an amazing change when our Blessed Mother comes and magnifies the Lord. There's so many great websites, resources, books on this stuff. And uh, it's good to keep exploring. So there, those are a few more tips when it comes to this. I keep on saying that uh, our Blessed Mother pulled me out of the gutter. So, <laughs> you know, and she cleaned me up <laughs> and polished me up. Uh, and uh, um, I, I wonder if I could ask you a, a question. Um, very often, um, you know, I'll, I'll meet people and I, I kind of think like, geez, you know, I really, really have this sense that, you know, so-and-so, oh, she could really, really, really use a Life in the Spirit seminar, and oh, she could use a consecration, and, you know, like, but yeah, I can't say it, because I'm, you know, like, who am I? I'm not a priest, or whatever, but um, can you tell us, uh, are you familiar, are you familiar with the Life in the Spirit seminars? Are you familiar? Totally. Um, and I went through the Life in the Spirit seminar several times, um, before, and it was before the, the Marian, I can't remember what was before, I'd have to actually do some homework in my own history, but um, how would the, like, I remember it was a very, very powerful experience for me, 
you know, at the Franciscan University of Steubenville to welcome Jesus into my heart and to, you know, go through the Life in the Spirit seminar and then go through it here again at the Holy, Holy Rosary uh, prayer group. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how those two practices, like, you know, consecration to our Blessed Mother and the Life in the Spirit seminar, how they might actually work together, um, if that Ooh. makes sense, or how they totally. work with one another? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I tell a fuller version of my vocation story, I tell uh, actually about my experience of, uh, I guess we might say, yeah, being prayed over and going through that kind of um, just the opening to the Holy Spirit and his great work. Because the Holy Spirit, since he is the spouse of, of Mary, and we mean that obviously in a theological sense, he brings us to Mary and Mary brings us to the Holy Spirit. And so when I was prayed over this one time, I just felt so convicted of my need to surrender my life to God. And, um, and that's what Mary wants us to do, to surrender our life to God. And so you could say the Holy Spirit and Mary always bring us to Jesus, and Jesus always brings us to the Father. And so certainly, um, there's so many beautiful ways to encounter the Holy Spirit in our lives. I, I did go to Steubenville as well, and I did go to a charismatic conference. I used to be uh, especially um, earlier on in my reversion, it was very active in the charismatic movement. And as a result, uh, I was prayed over and it was powerful. Like, it, it, you know, some people are, are skeptical about the charismatic movement. And I do believe we do have to be cautious. Mm -hmm. We have to discern the spirit. We need to make sure we're following all the teachings of the church. We're being very prudent, very cautious, very reasonable because there's spiritual warfare. Sometimes people think something is God when either it's the enemy or just themselves. So we have to be right. cautious. Yes, yes. But I do believe that the Lord is really working. And I, I would say that I experienced it firsthand in, mm -hmm. in my own being prayed over and, and a powerful, powerful experience of the Holy Spirit that became a watershed moment of, of change and conversion in my life that made me leave that weekend that I was on saying, I want to be a saint. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to do everything that God wants. Mm -hmm. So I would say that in that sense, they do uh, support each other. Uh, it's not maybe for everyone, but I would say it's something that I think everyone um, everyone would benefit from. I would say that they would they would experience something fruitful uh, as long as it's carried out properly. Properly, yeah. We, we have a, a couple of questions here. I just want to. Um, I don't. Maybe you've already. Maybe you've already. <laughs> So some, someone said, um, I have so many statues of Mary. I buy them at thrift stores. Um, I have a, a rock, Rockwood as well. Okay. I've heard that we should not genuflect to the statue or the image of our blessed Mary or any other saints. That genuflection is only reserved for the sign of worship to Jesus in the blessed sacrament or tabernacle or crucifix. Can you clarify that, please? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I'm really glad that you asked that, Melanie. I'm so glad. I know Melanie. I'm so uh, happy that she's here. It's great. Uh, I was going to say, she didn't have a Polish mother because I was genuflecting to Mary all the time. Yeah, so it's pretty noting that genuflection is a sign of divine worship. And when we genuflect, we, we genuflect on our right knee. And the reason we do that is because to do so on our right knee is a, a, a bodily way of expressing worship to Almighty God. So when we, if a person was to visit the queen, you would actually kneel on your left knee, not on your right knee, because you're not worshiping her. So therefore, we should only genuflect, which is, of course, to briefly um, bend your right knee to the ground in honor of Almighty God present in the Most Holy Eucharist. Uh, we should do that only to Jesus Christ, uh, but we certainly can kneel before a statue. So I guess we just make the distinction and say, we definitely probably, like, Theologically, it seems sound to say we shouldn't genuflect per se, um, because, or at least if we do, we shouldn't use our right knee. But we can certainly kneel before and pray, because that's that humble posture of prayer and opening ourselves up to the graces that that saint, for example, maybe Mary, um, whoever the saint is, uh, that they can obtain for us through their intercession. So I would just say. Uh, yeah, we should only genuflect to the Blessed Sacrament, and on Good Friday, we genuflect to the crucifix, uh, special for Good Friday. And that's on your right knee, you're saying, is that Only right? on your right knee. Don't genuflect. I didn't Gosh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, you learn something new every day. There are just a couple of other things. Um, 
how can I get my daughter to love Christ? She has confessed to me that she no longer believes. We went to Teopoli and even a priest there sensed that she was moved away from Christ. He sensed it. She's 28 and just not believing. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm going to read a couple and then you answer what you can because I know you're busy. And yeah. Almost three o'clock. Uh, one woman says, I believe in Mary as our mother, but a friend recently who is very faithful but is Presbyterian, uh, she does not believe in Mary or pray to her that we should only go directly to God or Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, my miraculous medal that I always wore fell off, and so today I have not found it. Uh, she feels this is what is meant to be, and, and it was for a reason. Um, Liz, you get your butt over here. I got lots of miraculous medals. I get you. Yeah. Um, you want me to respond to all these? I can. I can see them as well, actually. Oh, you can. Okay. Sorry. 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 Oh, no, that's great. That's awesome. Watch this. We're going to answer these all really quick. I'm going from top to bottom here. Okay. So the first one. How can I? These are great questions, by the way. And uh, I love answering. I love questions. It makes me happy. So how can I get my daughter to love Christ? I would say, this is a tough thing. Uh, as a you know, former practical atheist, I would say that sometimes it's prayer. Prayer is the most important. Pray for them, offer your sacrifices, be holy. And the greatest way to make others holy, to draw them to Christ, is to be holy ourselves. Pray for them, maybe sacrifice for them, fast for them if you feel called to do that. Live a, a joyful life. Don't pressure the faith on them because that will push them further. But uh, if you can learn why they don't want to uh, follow the Lord and give them, give, maybe like lovingly inquire you know, hey, what's happened? And then see if you can find answers to their questions, objections. That's a great uh, thing to keep talking to your priest about. And I wish we had more time. But um, if it makes you feel better, I was there. God can do anything. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Keep praying for like St. Monica for St. Augustine. That's all I got for that one for now. Let's move to the next one. I believe in Mary as our mother and so on. So definitely Many people, especially Protestants, are confused about Mary. They think that we worship her. They think all these uh, strange things about Mary. Um, and, and we don't judge their heart, you know. But, but objectively speaking, Mary is the queen of all saints. It's right there in the book of Revelation. When I can talk to a Protestant and we can use the Bible, it's easy for me to show them that Mary is our mother. Very easy. But it just takes a little time. We have to meet with them, lovingly share that with them. A miraculous medal falling off is never a sign that Mary has abandoned us. <laughs> if the saint falls off, it's not like they don't care about you. It just happens. Like gravity happens, things break. Don't read into it. It's not some sign. Um, so let's move on from that uh, just for now. What does the 33 days involve? Basically, read this. Do what it says. And it's so simple and easy that I, I feel totally sure that you'll find it. You'll figure it out. It's basically reflections, understanding what is consecration. It's going to take the writings of the saints, St. Maximilian Colby, St. Louis Marie de Montfort, Blessed uh, well, St. Mother Teresa now, and, and talk about how they talk about consecration. You're going to get it way better from them than you will from me. Consecration of St. Joseph, is this new? Not really, but it might sound new. Actually, if you read the book, Consecration of St. Joseph, Father Don Calloway does an amazing job at showing how this is totally not new, but we've just been slow to realize this is what God wants. So I definitely recommend that book. Uh, thank you so much to the person who said, bless your ministry and vocation. Please pray for me. That'll be a saint. And we also indeed want the Holy Spirit to come. Amen. <laughs> there we go. I'm just scrolling through these other chats here. Yeah, there we go. So we answered them. Fantastic. So uh, anyway, we're 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 approaching um, we're approaching three o'clock, and uh, I always say I've always felt that gosh, you know, we end at three. We should probably uh, in a future one actually do the Divine Mercy Chaplet. But anyway, the key thought keeps on popping into my head. I don't want to uh, ask you to stay on longer, but. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you that have uh, joined us today. Um, it's incredible, you know, that you've that you that many of you have come week after week after week. I, you know, we we started in in March and 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 here we are. <laughs> Who would have ever thought, you know, December? Um, I I do want to encourage each of you as mothers. Um, it's, it's Christmas is coming and it really makes sense for mothers to buy a beautiful 
religious gift for their children, right? I always say if our children don't get a beautiful religious gift from their mother, who will they get it from, you know? So you could even, for example, you know, buy 33 days to morning glory for your young adult children and put in um, a miraculous medal. Or, um, you know, my mom, whenever she went on a retreat, she'd always pick up a little something from the retreat house for me. And I could never, no matter what I went through in my faith, I never ever threw away anything my mother gave me because it had this particular importance, right? So um, think about getting, uh, you know, a, a picture of the sacred heart of Jesus and frame it and, and make sure that in each of your children's rooms that they have something holy um, as mothers to to put blessed miraculous medals in your kids' wallets, in their knapsacks, in their sweatshirts, in their running shoes, you name it. Um, so as Christmas approaches, um, you know, think about buying a, a beautiful religious icon uh, for your, your children. Because again, there's something that's quite powerful that's received from a from a mom. So, um, Father, do you have any closing thoughts as we kind of wrap up for, you know, this afternoon? Any closing thoughts? Well, first off, I just want to say I'm so grateful. I love this time. I have really enjoyed chatting with you, Dorothy, about all of this. And, uh, you know, one of the hard things about being a priest is you never have enough time to do all you wish you could do, you know? So I love, I love all these things. I could hear confessions all day. I would love to talk about these things. Uh, and I wish we had more time for all the great questions and comments, but I've really enjoyed this. I've just sent a little link uh, to my website, which is still very much under development. But if you want, you can go there and learn a little bit more about, um, I've got my testimony there of how I came back to the faith. You might be interested in that because I know there was a question about my, my conversion. But I just want to say that Mary loves you. Jesus loves you. Be not afraid. The Lord is with you. He delights in you and he knows everything you're going through. And draw close to him through Mary, and you will be so glad that you did. And uh, and I know that the Lord is excited about that. So, Father, what would what would you say were the you know two or three kind of game changer pivotal moments for you from where you were to my gosh the the, the priesthood? So, consecration to our Blessed Mother would have been, you know, huge. Are there any other milestones that you'd like to share? Sure. I mean, the funny thing is when I started going to church again, because my girlfriend was going, that's, that's <laughs> always been a milestone. And that's, that's why, that's the original, aside from God's grace, I felt kind of had, like I'd been pulled to come back, but it was really uh, because of her that I started going. Uh, and that's what kind of, I guess you would say, give me enough momentum to start going to church again. And then eventually having questions like, how do I know God is real? How do I know that I can trust the Bible? How, why would I pray to Mary? Um, what about other religions? Um, and then I started asking the priest all my tough questions and, and little by little praying and coming to church and asking the priest questions and doing research using great websites like Catholic Answers, which is just catholic.com. Um, I started to slowly experience this deeper conversion, loved Eucharistic adoration. I'd spend hours a day usually um, before I joined the seminary. And I mean, I, now I can too as a priest. And um, but one big moment, as, as we'd mentioned earlier, was this um, prayer ministry session where I was on what's called the Alpha Course. I was prayed over during this Holy Spirit retreat weekend. And like, it was just like, that is the biggest watershed moment, uh, conversion experience of my life. Like I just wept for my sins and was just like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I live like at the general judgment. I look forward to everyone seeing all the crazy things I did before my conversion. So you can glorify God's mercy. <laughs> so you can be like, wow, so good. Yeah, so, I, I remember like not too long ago, not talking to my spiritual director. And I, I said to him, one thing I said to him, I said, you know, sometimes I still get sad over the black puddle I walked through, like I knew better and I should have walked around it or jumped over it or, or something, right? And like, and, and you know, he, he did his best to reassure me that, you know, that, uh, that it's okay, <laughs> you know, that it's okay. But uh, how different life is when you don't go walk through the black puddle, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, but, um, uh, anyway, uh, just last question. 
I know it was mentioned previously, but my miraculous medal fell off my neck. Um, could it be a sign of something more? Uh, Sandra, it's a sign that you need to get a new one. That's what it's a sign of. <laughs> Just like we lose our keys, you know? Um, does it mean that we never try to find our keys again and that we should never drive again? No, no, no. Just you need a new miraculous medal. Um, anyway, I, um, I wanted to thank you all for joining us today. I, I want to let you know that next Thursday we have uh, a, a, another uh, guest, and um, she's she's from the Archdiocese of Toronto, and she's going to be uh, talking about Advent with little ones. So how to celebrate Advent with little children, and then the week after that. We're going to have a mom from Alaska joining us from the North Pole. So I think it's so cool. When I was talking to her, I said, is there a church in the North Pole? She goes, of course, it's St. Nicholas Church. So, uh, so it's going to be fun. So anyway, so thank you, all of you, each and every one of you for joining us today. Thank you, Father um, Merkley, for joining us today. And uh, some of you have heard me sing this song before. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh and sing a song. Seems we just get started and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. My, my little favorite Carol Burnett tune there. Anyway, thank you. Uh, we love you very much. So next week is Advent with Little Ones. And then the week after that, a mom from Alaska in the North Pole who goes to St. Nicholas Parish. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, two weeks. Please pray for Father Merkley. Please pray for me. Please pray for the ministry. And if you feel called to make a donation to the ministry, please go to our website, catholicmomsgroup.com and hit the donate button for Advent. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Father Merkley, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you all hopefully next week, Advent with Little Ones. Bye now.